and welcome to the Odds Checker Return to Racing preview. Racing is back and we have an unbelievable weekend to enjoy. I am joined by Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding, and professional gambler and, and friend of Odds Checker. Been on the pod a couple of times, Mike Spence. How are you both doing? Yeah, we're all doing good, I think. Speak yeah, for myself, good, but yeah. I think um, George, Mike's looking okay. The beard's got a bit more shaggier. I oh, know, everything's a bit shaggier, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as you can tell, we're obviously all recording this from our own offices. Um, so excuse any technical faults or anything that might happen or people talking over each other. Um, but I think we can all agree that we're delighted that racing is back. Uh, before we get on, we're starting on Friday, uh, Friday's racing and Saturday and Sunday. But before we get on to that, I just want to mention and point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Uh, it's free to use, free to download and collates all the best bookie offers, best tips, best odds and free bets too. It's the smartest way to bet for the shrewdest of punters. And I say best tips because it, of course, is the best place to find all of Andy's tips every morning uh, for every single day's racing. Andy, I'm pretty sure you're happy to get back to the stuff in the UK rather than that French stuff, aren't you? Yeah, just a bit. I, I, I bookended the uh, French stuff with a couple of nice winners, but in between times, when they moved it from the Paris Brace tracks, when all my early figures were sort of ready to rock and roll for the rest of the uh, the uh, foreseeable future, unfortunately, they, they, they put it to places like Dieppe and La Testa La Bouche and Compiègne and all the kinds of places, and it was really tough going there, I must admit. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to get to back into the normal stuff I'm used to, watching week in, week out. Obviously, it'll take a little while to get back into the flavour of the flat. You know, and work out that which yards are in form, just to get a feel for it, really. I haven't been going gung-ho in the first few days, uh, but uh, the action really does start to mount up quite nicely. The the, uh, the quality gets ratcheted up. And uh, before, it, before we know it, the uh, 1,000 and 2,000 guineas are upon us. Unbelievable to think that we didn't have any racing last weekend and suddenly we're going to have guineas weekend thrust upon us. Uh, before we talk about the racing, just, Andy, starting with you, I mean, you mentioned that you've mainly kept the powder dry over the past couple of days. We're recording this at two o'clock on Wednesday, the 3rd of June. What have you noticed, if anything, uh, watching the racing unfold at Kempton at Newcastle today at Yarmouth? Have you seen anything that you can maybe exploit? How do you think the fitness of the horses uh, are playing out? Well, I think what we almost bear in mind is that all yards are going to want to do well in the first couple of weeks. I don't think they're going to want them to be too short because, let's face it, we're straight into the action. The prize money is, you know, really good. Um, the whole group races, listed races, are, are, are you know are, are there for the taking. So I can't for the life of me think you know trainers have been having six, seven weeks almost doing nothing. They, they would have got as much work as they possibly can into their horses. Obviously, some yards are going to be more forward than others. That's just tradition. That's the way it goes. But early, early doors. Sir Michael Stats obviously had three winners. That's encouraging for for them. Well, the big new market yards have done well. John Gosden, Roger Varian's had a winner. Uh, and also Andrew Baldwin as well. He's two for two as well. So, and they've all got key uh, players in some of the classics as well. So, straight away you you can rest assured, or your confidence levels are going to be boosted if you if you're following those trainers. Mike, you mentioned to me before we started recording that you've had a largely similar strategy to Andy, not really getting too involved, making it a bit of a watching brief. So going into this weekend of kind of top class racing, anything you know? Do you have any doubts about? really going for it this uh, this weekend or anything that you've seen that you're going to try and take into the way you're thinking about these races uh yeah i'm i mean i'm trying to stay as quiet as possible in terms of myself i'm, I'm probably having about six bets if from 20 races which is relatively quiet but also keeping stuff quite quite low at the moment it's it's really important to sort of take into account and i think the main thing is looking at potential races that horses might be you know, trying to second guess the trainers in a way. Are they having a prep race for something? Are they, are they you know, is there a reason why they might not be ready for the first run? Um, which is something to take into account, especially as we look at the next three days, where a lot of the races that we'll talk about are actually trials, but then a lot of them are actually the big races. So um, it's only two weeks to Ascot. Um, so it's worth bearing in mind some horses that could be having a run ahead of Ascot, but also some will take the advantage, as Andy said, and this will be their time to shine. So it's going to be quite tricky this weekend, um, but there will be angles in there. Let's get on to the racing then. And the first race we're going to cover <laughs> is the big race on Friday. It is the Coronation Cup. And at the top of the market is Gay App 
at six to four, the globetrotting gay at hasn't run in the UK since 2017. Uh, last year's winner's Defoe is 100 to 30. Stradivarius stepping back in trip is seven to two best price. Anthony Van Dyke, 15 to two, 12 to one bar. All these prices that I read out in this video and in this podcast are the best prices on the odds checker grid. So across all the bookies that we work with. Andy, looking at this one now, interesting <clears throat> favourite by all accounts. It, it, are you looking at Gaeth as being a vulnerable favourite? Can you see why he's a short six to four? On pure figures and numbers, a visual impression of his performances when he is on song, there's no doubt that he's probably one of the best horses over this trip in the world. I mean, his performance when he won over in Maidan when we last saw him it was absolutely devastating. Obviously, I keep speed figures and I also keep time figures over in Maidan. And he was by far and away the quickest horse I got over there in the, in the desert uh, throughout the entire winter season. Um, so he's obviously a fair time. I mean, the I mean, he didn't beat no mugs either. I mean, he absolutely battered a good field. He looked imperious all the way through. I think arguably that's probably his best trip, a mile and a quarter, because he's got a hell of a lot of speed. He does stay a mile and a, a, mile and a half. Uh, he won a, a group one over in Baden-Baden um, um, towards the back end of, of, of last season. So clearly when he's on song in a small field, when he can dominate them like he's likely to do at Newmarket, He's a hell of a horse, but you know sometimes he has bombed out. He's either he's a bit of an oxo horse. He'll either do it and do it brilliantly, or he gets taken out of his comfort zone. Um, if any of these can possibly do that, and um, he is a little bit vulnerable. And I think we've got a stellar lineup. Um, perhaps um, you know one of them might be able to do it. The likes of Stradivarius, obviously Defoe, to a smaller degree Anthony Van Dyke, who's rather lost his way after his exploits in mid-summer last season. So it's a fascinating affair. It's a race I probably won't have to bet in because I just don't feel I've got an angle in. Um, you're taking a risk for Stradivarius, dropping back in trip. Yes, he, he should be fine over it. And he's, of course, won two Yuxa Cups, mile six. So you're splitting hairs with him a little bit. Uh, I think Defoe's got the most likely profile, um, perhaps, to, to turn him over because we, we are in the realms of uncertainty with Stradivarius in the sense that he's a course and distance winner. He comes to hand quite early. And, um, of course, he's won this race before, albeit at, at Epsom. So, I, th I think probably did, if, I was, if you gave me a free bet, let's say, a free tenner, he'd probably go on Defoe. But it's a race I'll probably just uh, sit back and watch and enjoy. What did you make of Gayat's performance in the arc last year? Uh, obviously disappointed coming into it with some hopes and, and couldn't really get close to them. Just ground, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. a lot of horses didn't handle the ground. I mean, I thought Enable, she probably floundered on it late on. And, and obviously, Walt Geist was, was a worthy winner on the day. But... It, it was it was brutal ground over there in, in France, and he's not that kind of horse. He's he's just a free, free easy going, easy moving horse that wants a quick surface, so he can bounce off the ground, use his stride, and and that basically that ground sucked the guts out of him really. So I I wouldn't really look at that and think well, there's a hole in him, you know, just because of that run. I think that you know there is a hole in him if it was soft ground, but it's not going to be that. It's going to be you know on the you know, on the fast side, which is right up his street. So. Bavagna goes there in A1 top tip top condition, which he's run 106 days ago, suggests he, he will be then. He's going to take some beating because he'll be off in front and just keep pounding out the fractions. So Andy doesn't have a, a necessarily an angle in, despite telling us about uh, some of the, the primaries in the race. Mike, how uh, have you worked out a way to eke out some value here? I think it's a bit of a strange race. I mean, what I said, said about horses having prep runs is, I think, vitally important here because... <clears throat> I think it's been very well publicised that Stradivarius is, is sort of having a bit of a spin ahead of the Ascot Gold Cup. Um, I don't really mean having a spin. He's obviously trying. But his, the main focus for him is the Ascot Gold Cup. This is the, really the only race he can run in, in in a prep unless they went to Newcastle for a very stiff two miles, which I don't think is an ideal prep for any horse. Um I, th I think it's quite tough. It, it, I think a lot of it revolves around Gaiac. I mean, I'm surprised Aidan O'Brien's not running another horse in here because I think the only, the main way and the quickest way to get Gaiac beaten is just to send something up on his girth about two furlongs after they start. <laughs> and I think he'll take off. But if I was Aidan O'Brien, I'd be sending Broom up and just making his life a nightmare. I think he's the type of horse that wins or, or goes pop. His record shows that. Um, and as such, I think he's very dodgy at about six to four. He'd be kind of horse I'd want. You know, if they were seven furlongs out and nothing had touched him so far, I'd probably be wanting to back him in running. But I think it's going to be very tactical. Um, 
it's going to be a funny race if they do send Broom up. It has the massive potential to be a pace burn-up that could go very hard and it could play into the hands of Anthony Van Dyke in particular and also Defoe. Um, I think if I was going to have a bet, it would be to lay Stradivarius and Gea. Both of them lay them a place because um, they'll both be heavily odds-on to hit the frame. And I, I mean, clutching a little bit. I'm surprised Stradivarius is so short. He'll definitely be looking towards Ascot. Um, but it's it's the kind of race where you're probably best just to keep your fingers in your pockets and, and watch it, really. But I think it will. It has the chance to play into a big surprise here. Even something like Desert Encounter, if he was to sit last, <coughs> could come through and pick them up. So just the seven runners at the moment. Paddy Power do go three places as it stands. Um, Stradivarius, uh, as you say, shorts 11 to 4. Um, so one to maybe swerve, according to Mike. Anthony Van Dyke, who you gave a positive mention to there, is 11 to 2 with Paddy's three places, 15 to 2 elsewhere. And Desert Encounter, 33 to 1, best price around 25 to 1 with three places with Paddy's. I mean, just another, obviously, this race taking place at, at Newmarket this year. Does that affect, you know, when you're looking at this, people will see that Defoe won the race last year um, and maybe should be alerted to the fact that, that it's, it's happening at Newmarket. Does that come into your thinking at all are there any ground concerns as well given the unseasonably unseasonably warm weather that we've seen over the last few weeks uh, my perspective no I, I, when i look at Devoe, i think well has he has he got any track form and he quite clearly loves the rally mile he's won here before and he was second to communicate uh, last season as well over, over the track so i thought that wouldn't concern me the only concern i'll have is if you know you, you you're going in, into a race back in any horse whose yard is yet to fire and it's a very small sample, but Roger Varian's, I think he's had one, maybe two runners, and one of them's won. So, uh, obviously, we'll get another couple of days' worth of action to, to, to work out if um, the, you know, the flow continues. But, I mean, he's a top-class horse to phone. and the stronger the guy, the better he, he'll be. I mean, I didn't think they went overly quick over in the desert when he finished second to Loxley, and he was marked up as a really unlucky loser. Um, he pretty much set your clock by Defoe. He's a good globe-trotting horse that's been there, seen it, and done it. He won't be phased by anything. So I think, he, as Mike's always alluded to, Stradivarius, you're taking a punt with him. He's the one most likely to bustle up at Gayath if um, he doesn't turn up on, on his A-game. So we'll move on then from the Coronation Cup on to the Abernat. And the market is reforming as we speak, so it might age pretty quickly. But we have Brando as the 6-4 to favourite. Oxted, 3-1. to Keystroke, 6-1. to Mr Lupton, 9-1. to 10-1 to bar. Um, I asked you about a 6-4 to four favourite in the first race we spoke about, Andy. I'm going to ask you about another one here. Brando, boom or bust here in, the, in, in this next race on Friday? Well, this is his race, isn't it? Uh, I think Kevin Ryan um, has targeted this contest for him, I think, the last three years. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's won it twice and he, he was second in it last year, if I remember correctly. So, you know, at the right part of age of eight now, he's obviously got one or two really good runs in him a season. Uh, small fields are ideal for him as well. Yes, he does go well in big fields, but I think he's quite tactically versatile. So he's, he's quite good when you know there's only a small field. I don't think this is a great group three, by the way. I mean, you, when you look at the, the sprinters that are around, potentially, I think a lot of them are keeping their powder dry for Royal Ascot, maybe going straight to um, you know the better races like the, the King Stand and, and the uh, the other the other uh, big handicap on on, on the weekend. Uh, so. Brando and the supporters and connections of him will be absolutely delighted with any of the seven runners. But if there is going to be a fly in the ointment here, it might upset the party. Is this Oxted, um, who gradually worked his way through the ranks last season? He ran against some good horses. Arguably, it, it, it looked like he ran over the wrong trip. He was running over sort of seven furlongs. They were trying to stretch him out. But they brought him back uh, to six furlongs. And he won one of the most competitive handicaps of the season, as we, we all know, won the Portland. And I thought he, thought he did, it, did it in really... Uh, um, con- um, convincing fashion in doing so he clocked a very fast time a time in keeping with group horses I think those hot, hot um, high level handicaps the premier handicaps um, that we see week in week out they're as good on the numbers as uh, group 3 group 2 races we've seen that time and time again you've only got to look at the like for like horse um, comparisons with something like the Wokingham compared to the to the group 1 on the same day on, on the Saturday so if there is going to be one horse here that could make the necessary improvement forward. And don't forget, a lot of these are all six, seven, eight, eight-year-olds that have, you know, they're not going to improve anymore. I think he's the one potentially that could, um, like I say, could spoil the party. So I'll be interested to see um, how he goes first time out. But again, a race right at this very moment in time, and I'm not thinking, oh my God, yeah, I've got to have a bet in this race. Mike, any views from you? No, I think I'd completely echo that. I think Brando looks very short, as I definitely want to be 
given it his age, you know, he's an eight-year-old. I'd rather tell you, I'd rather have Oxted, an improving four-year-old. Um, hasn't even been racing that long. He's only had seven starts. He, you know, he's, he's not been sprinting long either. I think he could he could really improve. Um, it, it, and if I was going to have a bet, it would definitely be him. Um, but as Andy says, I think this is a bad race in terms of a, a usual group three. It's definitely a week renewal by annual standards, but I think that's because most are, are heading towards Royal Ascot. Um, but yeah, I think if it Oxted, I, I'm very surprised he's such a big price. Um, it's quite hard to, I'm not sure how, whether Brando is, you know, he wasn't the force of old last year, I didn't quite think. And then you're sort of clutching a bit that he's going to be the same after another year again. Um, so I'd rather have the improver. Um, but you're also taking a bit of a chance. Roger Teal is, um, hasn't had a runner yet, I don't believe, at the time of filming this. Um, he's got two runners tomorrow, but he's moved yards over the winter slash the corona period as well. So you're taking a big chance with, you know, it, it, it's very, he's in different surroundings. I, th- I think it's taking a bit of a leap of faith as well to, unless his first two runners tomorrow were to really run well, you, you, you'd maybe want to see them run a bit better before you started backing them as well. So very tentative selection there from the guys with Oxted. Maybe a no-bet race, but if you, re- if you really want to have a bet, then take the three-to-one route about Oxted. Uh, seems to be the way we're thinking there. Um, the third race we're going to cover uh, on the Friday is the Paradise. Um, Sangarius is the 15-to-8 favourite. Again, these markets kind of forming as we are recording. Uh, Mythical Magic, 8-to-1. Lord Tennyson, 10-to-1. Escobar, 11-to-1. Momkin uh, and Mary's Diamond, both 12-to-1. Uh, Mike, coming to you here first. I think this is a bit of a funny race. Uh, you're taking a real chance with Sangarius, I think, at, at this sort of, this stage. Um, you know, he hasn't run since Royal Ascot last year. Is he having a prep for the Prince of Wales this year? It'd be very surprising if he was fully tuned up unless Ascot wasn't the plan. Um, so we're kind of double-guessing a bit there. And I think the biggest problem with Sangarius is that his best two runs in his career have been undoubtedly, in my opinion, been his two runs on softer ground. Um, he was brilliant at Ascot last year on soft ground and having this run here on faster ground, I, I can't see them. You know, he's, I, Ryan's not going to beat him up to win on fast ground, especially if he doesn't feel like he's really handling it. Um, I would be leaving him at the prices unless I heard something very bullish. There's one at a bigger price. Um I think the prices are a bit all over the place. You might be able to help yeah. me out here, George. But I think Century Dream is 16 to 1 with Betfred. Yeah. Um, and he's a very big price, I think. they. I think it's quite interesting they put James Doyle here. Um, it, it probably suggests that, that he is pretty tuned up here. Um, he's a horse who was rated 116 at the start of last year. He didn't really fire, but I think it's quite telling they gave him a wind off at the end of last season. Um, and maybe it felt through the year that he hadn't really been at his best because of that. And as such, if they'd have given him a wind up during the season, they'd have lost it, lost the season. Uh, but he's a very good horse. He's got some very good form, um, you know, rated 116 in, in this pass. I mean, that's higher than any horse in the race. I'm very surprised he's 16, given that he's had a wind up. He could easily be the type of horse that makes that price look very silly. So century dream there um, for the new training duo of Simon and Ed Crisford, the father and son combo, as you can be these days. Um, what a story that would be for Ed Crisford if he can get them off the mark there in the uh, in the paradise. Andy, what are you looking at in this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, Sangaris is the uh, benchmark horse, isn't he, really? He's a, he's a, do, do, do we go in with him at a short price and believe that Ascot form um, when he beat Fox Chairman or... Or do we look back and think, well, you know, he's Heron Stakes form beyond King of Comedy when he got outpaced. Is that the Sangaris we're going to see over a mile? Um, does he need further? Um, and the fact that he starts him off over a mile, Sir Michael, um, in your head you're thinking, well, that's got to be a prep. You know, they start him off short and then they build him up, you know, with Royal Ascot around the corner. And that looks the way they might be thinking. So at a very short price, there's not much meat left on the bone with him. Um, he wouldn't be the kind of horse I'm going to be backing at a short price with the doubts about the trip. One thing we can say is obviously the yard's in great form. So he's coming here with a, um, a team um, absolutely kicking down the, the barn door at the moment. So that's a positive. But there are one or two sort of floaters in this race that 
um, are very interesting. Um, the lightly raced pair, uh, Lord Tennyson and Duarm, who uh, caught the art Wolverhampton. I do quite like him. He's a proper big, strong type, in keeping with a lot of horses that train by Owen Burroughs. He's got lots of size and scope about him. He could be anything. But um, if you gave me a, a, a free tenner in this race, and nobody, I think, has ever given me a free tenner <laughs> for, any, for anything, let alone to put on a horse. True. Um, but um, I quite like Escobar. He, he's a horse I followed last season through to continue those big handicaps, and he finally... Um, um, gave me a, a decent payday at Ascot last season. Of course, he beat Lord North. Now, Lord North is a, one of those improving handicappers himself that is now going to be a group two, perhaps even group one horse, you know, if he really does hit the heights in, with another season under his belt, maybe. Um, so he wasn't beating any mug that day, and I like the way he quickened through that field. It was a fantastic time. He comes out really well on, on the numbers I keep um, because he's used to running in those hot handicaps when they go a good gallop. I think they'll go a good pace here. There's a big field, an almost unseasonably big field, really, for a race of this nature. Um, and it's this This is the kind of race where we'll find out whether Escobar is patent class. So, he's, you know, he's around about 12 to 1, something like that. He'd be a horse I'd be half tempted, tempted in. Yeah, he's 11 to 1 at the moment. That's with yeah. Victor. But as the, you know, the market is forming, so anyone listening to this now, go back to Oddschecker and check because bookies will be coming out with their prices for this one as we speak. And so there's a, a fair chance that the prices I'm mentioning, you could get a little bit bigger um, if they're taking a view. But 11 to 1 Escobar and 14 to 1 Darwam also getting a positive mention from Andy. Andy, you mentioned Lord Tennyson as well at 10 to 1. What can you tell us about, about Lord Tennyson? Yeah, just the one run, of course, last season. Uh, ended up being a victorious one. Uh, comes from the yard, as we know, is in absolute fantastic form. He was workman-like more than anything else when he won at Chelmsford. Uh, his time figure wasn't anything special. But again, it's the fact that, you know, of all the horses that, that uh, John Gosler could run in a race like this, you know, where's Lord North, for instance? <laughs> this would, you'd think this would be an ideal run race for him. And he picks a horse out who's just had the one run. I mean, he's nobody's fool, is he, John? Um, master master handler. If he thinks he's got one remotely worth patent class uh, and he's worth pitching into the deep in a race like this, you just have to take notice. Uh, he's certainly be a, a horse to watch, you know, regardless of how he gets on uh, for the future. Just because the fact that um, John's almost telling you he's patent class, you know, he's putting him in a race like this straight off the bat, um, and he's one of, it, of of many in this race he can make a case out for. He's, he's he's a horse very much worth keeping an eye on for the future. One for the notebook before its second run there, Lord Tennyson, one to watch closely. Um, still sticking on Friday, a couple of more before we get to the two thousand guineas on Saturday, and we're going to look quickly at the Derby and the Oaks trials, uh, both on Friday. Um, the Derby Charles cut up a fair bit in the last couple of days. King Carney is three to one. Barcher Rocco seven to two. English King four to one. Sound of Cannon six to one. King's Caper nine to one. Um, Andy, coming to you first, but obviously talking about these races both in isolation and in the context of the of the Derby and Oaks as well. Anything here? Anything to keep an eye on? Anything you like at the prices at the moment, or maybe should be backing for the Derby? I don't think we'll see the Derby winner in this race. Uh, I think it's a substandard uh, Derby trial. Um, and this is always one of the weaker links, although, of course, Anthony van Dijk did uh, manage to win it last year. But I think it was a, an above-average renewal. But looking at the, what the horses did last year, I, I can't see any of these being you know, up to beat in a, uh, you know, a, a Ballydore-trained individual. And that's the thing. We haven't got any Irish representation to give us a benchmark of where we stand. Um, I mean, there's no doubt King Ken is one of the most improving horses coming into this year's field. Um, we know he stays the trip well. He, Pontefract takes him getting for a two-year-old and he really did power home that day. So I haven't got any problem with him getting getting the trim. Of course, Charlie Fellows had his first winner today as we speak at Yarmouth. So that yard is now uh, rocking and rolling for the season. You look at the others in behind him, you know, uh, Berkshire Rocco was well beaten in the Zetland. Again, we'll get a chance to have a look at that form when Max Vega runs this afternoon as we speak. Sound of Commons doesn't really kind of strike me as being a, a you know, a massive improver. Um, it's not the kind of horse that Brian Mean traditionally does well with, you know, these kind of like Derby trial mile and a half horses. So I'll be a little bit reticent about him. Uh, Mark Johnson chucks a couple into the mix as well, who one's got a lot of form and the other one's a little bit darker, that term dark heart. But I think King Kearney sets a good standard. He's top of my speed figures. Curtis that run at Pontefract would he beat a decent field. Um, so he'd probably do for me, albeit he's not a great price. Now, Mike, when you texted me earlier, earlier in the week, you said that you didn't want to give away your secrets in the Derby and Oaks trials. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say here. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite... Um, this is definitely the weakest Derby trial that we're going to see. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I think English King might be interesting. Nothing more than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we can keep my, keep the cards close to the chest for a little bit. Interesting but I, I mean, to see I don't Tom think Mark any of them. as well. Yeah, it's I think he could be a really nice horse. Um, yeah, I think he could be a grade or two above the rest of them at the end of the year. There you go. So a um, a wry smile as he uh, as he gives us a bit of a nod for English King there at four to one. Um, I have a feeling if Mike's already on, it may be a bigger price than four to one because he was certainly a bigger price a couple of days ago. Uh, looking now, and just I mean, as we're on the Derby, um, any 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 uh, mentions for, in the Derby market at the moment? If you've had a look at it. I think military march is running the in the one thousand sorry the two thousand guineas is going to be interesting with a view uh, for the for the derby. I think you know the the fact that he beat a good horse Al Sahail and out battled him and outstayed him and the pair of them pull well clear in that um, race at Newmarket towards the back end of the season suggests that that form is pretty good. Uh, and you know obviously Godolphin have got three or four handy runners in in the in the two thousand and where else can you run a horse like that? You've got to give him a trial so. Let, let's see, see how, how good he is. But I think that is very much a derby trial for him, military march going forward um, to, to, to Epsom. Yeah, and as you say, we'll speak about some of the other ones at the top end of the derby market fairly soon in our 2000 guineas uh, preview. Um, on to the Oaks trial now. Um, we have uh, Miss Yoda is the 11-8 to favourite, late Lucerne 11-2 to alongside West End Girl. Um, Anastasia 15-2, to Heart Reef 8-1, to So I Told You 10-1. to Andy, anything taking a fancy here? Certainly won't be Miss Yoda at a short price. Um, I thought she was very unprepossessing as a two-year-old, as a two-year-old. Whether she's grown into herself and has, uh, you know, made into a better uh, older horse, that only time will tell. Again, I've talked about it before with uh, Berkshire Rocco in the previous race. We get a chance to look at that form with um, uh, Max Vega running this afternoon at Kempton in, in the two forty-five. Of course, if that goes and wins, then it'll boost the the, qual- the claims of, of Miss Yoda, but. Yeah, I, I think this again, similar to the the, Oaks, the Derby trial. I just think this is a really weak heat. Um, you've got one or two horses with potential, like like, like Lucerne, who who won um, well enough on its second start at Chelmsford. But it, it it is modest form. I've got nothing in this race doing any kind of figures that would suggest that that they're Group One level um, at the moment. And I can't see them being Group One horses even going forward. I think the Richard Hughes horse is interesting. Um, so I told you, um, thought she was quite quite tenacious in victory at Nottingham on, on heavy ground. I think she's a she's a nice model. And I think Richard Hughes has got some decent horses uh, going forward this season. He's got a horse that won at, um, Newmar- at Newmarket towards the back end of the year that I put in my tent to follow list when I did for Oddschecker uh, a few weeks ago. And I can't for the life of him remember his name, but I think he's, he's going to be a good horse this season. Um, so I think this could be the year that Richard Hughes does make a breakthrough with regard to genuine group horses and um, the fact that this one's in a in a listed race tra- straight off the bat suggests he thinks this one is. Mike, anything for you? You've given us the winner of the Derby trial. What wins the Oaks trial? I quite hope West End Girl wins, to be honest, because I own her. But... <laughs> <laughs> that would be handy. <laughs> 11 to 2 at the moment um, with Bet Victor. Yeah, so, I mean, she's not really hiding anything. She's, I mean, uh, you could make a pretty strong case that she probably has the best form in the race when she won her Group 3 last year. Um, she's taken a bit of time to come to hand this year. Maybe this has come a week too soon, but she's still a very good horse. She's more than fit enough, so um, I'm just hoping she runs well, really. And if she's if it is a weak race and she's in good form, she she has to have every chance, really. She is rated 99, so fingers I mean, crossed. How uh, just quickly, given that we're speaking about a, a horse that you own, I mean, how has it been over the last couple of months um, in terms of? How often are you keeping in touch with the trainers who train your horses? How difficult has it been to try and kind of reevaluate your plans for the horses for the upcoming season? Um, you know, you mentioned from a betting perspective, looking ahead and trying to second guess what owners are doing. But from from the owner's standpoint, how's it been? Um, it's been a bit, well, I don't think there's any ideal time for a sort of global pandemic. But if there <laughs> was a time, I suppose it was probably the ideal time. Because if you own jump, jumps horses, it was the perfect time to put them away until next year and the flat horses hadn't really started full work so as a time for it to happen it was ideal <clears throat> it's been quite hard a lot of horses I mean it's, it's probably helped a lot of fillies because I think uh, we had quite a wet winter it didn't help a lot of the fillies and now we've we've been delayed which means a lot of them have the have had the button press a lot later in the year uh, the sun recently really helped them West End Girl for instance 
probably w- wouldn't have been ready for the Oaks trials at their usual time. So it's definitely helped her. But at the same time, you know, it's a lot of sitting and waiting um, for horses. It's going to be very hard to win races in the early part of the year. Um, and it, it's it's not been easy, really. Um, trying to work out where to go. You know, the, the hardest bit is that, you know, you haven't fit and, you know, you have like a, a very talented horse who, you know, they were all back in work to sort of run in a guineas trial at the start of April. And you're kind of trying to just keep them in cotton wool really until the season comes. But so it's, it's not been easy. And then and the prize money has been halved as well. So it's going to be a tricky year and an interesting <laughs> year for owners. Um, and I think I do well, but they need to do a pretty good job of getting owners back on the course quickly. Otherwise it's going to have quite trying to sell horses to owners when they can't actually go racing. is going to be quite yeah. tough, but we'll see how that goes in the next Mike, few weeks. Mike, on a, on a, on a look, uh, personal level, question about uh, West End God. Do you, what, what, what went wrong with her in the Fiddlies, Marlon? Was, was she not quite right that day? Or, or, or is there is a, is an issue maybe with the trip with her, even though she's by Golden Horn? Do you, do you think she's going to be get a mile and a half? Um, well, it's, it's, we're not really sure. She was the former Newmarket worked out very well. She beat subsequent group three winner and a listed winner. And then mm-hmm. Doncaster, she had a, a cut on her leg, but it was very windy that day and she just didn't really seem to like it. I don't think it helped her being out in front. Mm-hmm. Um, but Newmarket, there was just no excuse really. She, I mean, she was beat before half, before halfway, you know, it was, yeah. it was far too bad to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no reason. So we're just hoping that a bit of time away is, is suited her. She she does look more like a middle distance filly than a miler. Right. Um, she did a bit of work the other day with Rose of Kildare, who runs in the yeah. 1,000 guineas on Sunday. Similar to type, see, yeah. Yeah, and we, we were wanting to see... Well, she's a similar type in terms of ability and level. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're built a bit differently. She's, oh, West End Girl's more of a middle distance filly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, she didn't quite show as much speed as Rose of Kildare but that would also be expected because Rose of Kildare won a group three over six furlongs um so we are thinking about the 1000 guineas as a potential Oaks trial um but because she did you know she looks more of a middle distance filly and she kind of galloped the other day like that um so we're hoping she stays the trip we're it's still a mile three and a half and we're not entirely sure about the trip but we think it will probably suit well, fingers okay. crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed, crossed yeah. exactly, that yeah. you are in the winner's enclosure virtually on, yeah, virtually. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday afternoon. Uh, now on to the, arguably, I mean, the, the one we've all been waiting for, I think, and one we've been waiting for for a very long time as well, the 2000 Guineas, uh, is on Saturday. And Pinatubo heads up the market at 10 to 11, best price as we speak. Arizona next in at 6 to 1. Uh, Kamako is 15 to 2. Kin Ross is 14 to 1. Tipped up by Andy uh, back in October at 25 to 1. Ranked disappointingly. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second next time out, um, but still halved in price since Andy put him up. Uh, Wichita, 14 to 1. Alsa Hale, 16 to 1. Military March, 16 to 1. 25 to 1. Bar. Before we talk about your selection, Ken, Ken Ross, Andy, let's start with a market leader. Um, it's difficult to, you know, it, it's you'd be hard pushed to find a more impressive um, prospect coming into this race than Pinatubo. How do you view the 10 to 11 and offer at the moment? I don't really think we've had a horse coming into a Guineas with a profile like him. Um, you know, Frankel himself was still a work in progress, but I mean, this fellow has done what Frankel. Uh, you know, could only sort of dream about as a two-year-old, um, particularly from a figures perspective as well. You know, Frank will clock some good numbers, but it was only really in his three-year campaign that he started um, hitting the ball out of the park. But this fellow's been doing it, uh, you know, straight from the off the bat. Um, and his performances at Goodwood in particular, and um, when he went over to the Cur, were absolutely sensational. Um, won by five lengths, nine lengths respectively, but he was beating some good horses and kicking them into touch. I mean, the turn of foot that he showed when he won in the Cora was just sensational. Um, you know, Arizona was uh, you know a speck on the horizon, really. He was more workmanlike, as we as we know, um, in the Dewhurst and spectacular. But I quite like that, the fact that he had to get down and dirty that day. An absolute filthy ground, by the way. I was there that day and it was really cold and unseasonable and the ground was like a pudding. Uh, but he, he he really falls hard all the way to the line. You can see him as well with an extra furlong going even further clear of the rest of the field. So I don't I don't see you know the mile has been an issue. 
you know, they reckon he might be even a derby horse after after the weekend if they come through with flying colours. The one thing we love about him as well is the fact that he settles. He gives himself every chance in a race by settling, and he's also apparently he's a bit of a you know a, a lamb in the in the pre prelims as well before, and so he doesn't waste any energy. Um, so he's the perfect racehorse, really. He saves it all for the track. Um, the only thing you could question about back in a short price favourite first time out is obviously all the horses will have improved as well as him over the winter. We don't know because we haven't seen them. So there's an element of guesswork. Plus the fact that we've got a big field and the stalls are going to be on the stand side as well. That Usually they're down in the middle. So And there was a cutaway in the last couple of years to save any track biases, but they haven't got that this year. So it means that potentially if there is a golden highway, which may develop the day before on the Friday, which we'll get a look at, the horses that are drawn right next to the stand side fence, i.e. high, might have a, a little bit of a tactical advantage. And, you know, he's got to bustle, bustle his way through the field drawn in seven. So, you know, there are, there are if there's going to be a chink in his armoury, it might not necessarily be ability. It might be actually working his way into a challenging position. Therefore, that you know, the ones that I'm looking at, obviously I've already backed Kinross, he's drawn 12. And the other one who beat Kinross at Kamiko, who I think is a very talented horse, um, might just have, you know, half a chance of, of causing an upset. Um it's hard to see Kinross turning the form around with Kamiko on that Newcastle run. But the fact that he's been so heavily backed again, despite getting hammered, I mean, he should be a 33 to 1 shot off the back yeah. of that Newmarket. But the money keeps coming from him. There's been lots of positive eyes from the Beckett yard. He's almost actually shorter in places than Kamiko, which seems you know almost unthinkable considering he's got four lengths to find. But there might have been something wrong with him that day. It was off the back of a high speed figure first time out where he might have bounced. He was a bit keen, a bit fresh at Newcastle in a, in a Group One from a, from a maiden. It was a bit of a culture shock, and albeit it might be that that's as good as he was, I've got a sneaky feeling that he is a bit better than that. He's going back to the, the Rally Mar, which of course he runs. The, we know he runs the track really well, uh, and he's got a good draw. So I'll be I'll be hopeful with Kinross at least running a half a decent race better than he did at Newcastle. But from a pure betting perspective, Kamiko ticks all the boxes. He's a Group One winner. He's got track form. Um, he's absolutely crying out for a straight run, strong mile. Um, and, it, of course, his yard's two for two so far. They hit the ground running last season. So, I don't, what price is he can make up at the moment, did you say, Rand? 15 to two, best price of 888, seven to one, general. I mean, if you could get that kind of price, four places on the day, I can't believe bookmakers won't go four places here. He, he looks an absolute nail each way, Kamiko. Interesting as well, in that race, that you mentioned about Kamiko um, beat Ken Ross Mogul also in that race, who's been... Very well back for the derby, um, kind of a similar run to Ken Ross as well. So suggesting that race could be very strong indeed. Uh, Mike, start at the top as well with Pinatubo. Um, Andy's given him a, a a glowing reference. Are you kind of do you have similar respect and admiration for Pinatubo and what he's done so far? Yeah, I think you have to really. Just a very good horse. I mean, that probably underestimates him as well. He's, yeah, superb horse, isn't he? Um, if he turns up in the form he was in last year, then I don't think anything, anything will beat him, really. I think it's personally as simple as that. But I think there's some pretty big caveats to him. He, he looked more of a two-year-old than a lot of the horses did he was running against last year. Um, how much he's grown. I mean, I mean, it's going to be massive questions. I think it's very hard to back him. I think it was easier to back Frankel at an even shorter price, just because I know he obviously had a prep, but he, Frankel was much more likely to progress, in my opinion, than Pinatubo was at the same stage, just for the way he was he was bred and the size and the shape of him. Um, I mean, he, he should take all the beating. I will make a case for a few of them in, in behind um, that he runs against. I, I'm going to put one up at 50 to 1, actually. I do think this is a big price. Um, a horse that I like a lot called Starcat, who I think will run very well. Um, he would have been one of the highest rated two-year-olds I rated all of last season uh, when he won at Kempton. There were three horses in that race that pulled quite a long way clear. None of the other two have run since, but it was a very good piece of form. Um, he is an expensive Lope de Vega side that's doing incredibly well. I'd be a bit disappointed if he couldn't improve past a lot of the horses that are shorter prices than him. Um, it's a big ask for him to win on his second start, but he is also 50 to 1, so you're getting the value there. I think Kim Ross will run, run well. I, I, do, I think he'll want soft ground, personally, um, as the year goes on. The whole family have always wanted soft, but 
And obviously his debut was on stop, but he should be okay. I mean, there've been very rave reports about Arizona. Apparently he's flying um, over in Coolmore. But I think it's a tough race. I mean, if I was going to have a bet, the only thing I'd do is back Starcat. Probably a bit of win and each way at 50 to 1. Um, I think he could be anything. I know he's incredibly highly regarded. So 50 to 1 would will do me well. Starcat 50 to 1. I'm pretty sure on debut, Scott, Starcat opened up at 40 to 1, went off 9 to 1 and won by a couple of lengths as well. So done it before. Um, Starcat 50 to 1 with Labrooks, Bet Victor, and Coral, the short is 33 to 1 elsewhere um anything more to add at the uh at the other end of the market andy yeah i think one of the most talented horses in this race is alsa hale um i think he's got his quirks um sometimes his, his head carriage has been a little bit questionable it, it's an odd, odd thing really because every time i've watched alsa hale he's always looked to me as though he wants coming back in trip rather than going up but you listen to charlie um um charlie appleby's reports that they, they want to be bumping him up in trip they they, they see him as a middle distance horse which it looks an absolute mythical to me. It's Sandown, he looked like he was going to come and win the Solaria. Then he, he sort of didn't get home up the hill. He got out battled by his stab of companion, albeit on soft ground military march um, towards the back end of the season in the autumn stakes. And every time I see him run, I think this horse wants seven furlongs or even dropping back. And yet they think he's a mile and a quarter horse, but he's got a massive amount of talent. He'll come there definitely going well at, at two hours because of, his, of the way he cruises through his races. What he'll end up doing, I do not know, but <laughs> he's an interesting horse going forward. Him, um, if he be mine, he'd be a Jersey Stakes horse all over. That 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 kind of race, seven furlongs when they go flat out, and he can just come through. I, I just, unless I'm missing something, I'm you know I'm seeing something that somebody else can't see. I just don't think he's got a cat and house chance of getting a mile and a quarter. Um, so this will be D Day with Elsa Hale. Uh, w- w- which way they decide to go? But I'm hoping he travels, doesn't get home, and then they drop him back in trip for, for Ascot. <laughs> So another one for the notebook rather than a selection for, for Saturday. Yeah, because he's, he's just an incredibly talented horse. OK, that is the 2000 Guineas preview for you there. Um, respect being shown to Pinatubo at the top of the market, but a few bullets in behind with a 50 to 1 tip as well. And uh, Mike has certainly banged in a couple of big price winners on this podcast before. So worth taking note. Uh, on to the Dahlia now. Um, Terra Bellum is a 7 to 4 favourite. Magic Lily, 11 to 4. Uh, Queen Power seven to two, sixteen to one, bar just I think seven runners as it stands. Three at the top end of the market, looking the most likely. Andy, can you make a case for any of them? Well, the fact that Terra Bellum's the um, nominated choice from the John Gosden stable um, is pretty much uh, all you need to know here. They had um, Fanny Logan in there, who was an unlucky fourth over in Santa Anita behind um, um, the thing of Joseph O'Brien's name. I can't remember. Is it Eridai? Eridate, was it Eridate? Um, got a bad. Eridate, that's the one. Yeah, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Got a really bad trip that day over in Santanese. And I thought if this runs here, it'll win the Dahlia. But he's going to run Telebellum, who faded in, in the latter stage on its last run at um, Longchamp, but travelled up like the best horse, just didn't get home in the very soft ground. Um, I always think she's a, a, a smooth moving horse and, and she'd be better on better ground. Like she proved when she won first time out at Goodwood. Yes, she has handled softest ground in Deauville, but it, it was in a weaker race. But I think the better ground will suit, and with the hard flying, I didn't think this was a particularly strong race. I, I'm still not sure whether Queen Power, with her, whether she genuinely gets a trip. Um, she's a couple of, come there a couple of times and hasn't quite seen it out. And like I say, I'm not sure about her. Obviously, Magic Lily's been doing some good stuff over in the desert. Um, has to be respected, but I think this Terra Bellum could be a very nice filly in the making. And I think this year as a four-year-old, we'll, we'll see the best of her. Seven of four, Terra Bellum. Mike, do you agree with that? Uh... Sticking with the Fafi? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't, don't really have anything to take her on. Queen Power, I think, is incredibly talented, but she may well be a miler. I agree about that. Um, I mean, it's very hard to make a case for Magic Lily. Her UK form is probably not quite good enough. Um, she's got a £3 penalty. I completely agree about Terra Bellum and the ground. Um, she could be a very, very nice in the making but I mean it's a no bet race for me as well though. Okay 7 or 4 Terabellum if they've made a case for you but Mike's saying no bet race for him although agreeing with what Andy says so that's good always nice for you to agree. Um, on to the last race we're going to talk about on Saturday which is the Palace House uh, Judicial is the 92 favourite uh, Major Jumbo 5 to 1 Moss Gill 6 to 1 Shades of Blue 8 to 1 Far Above 9 to 1 Mike any views any views here? 
I don't have a strong view because I'd like to see them all run. I don't think this is the type of race that anyone's going to get rich as sort of a profile. Um, but I do think Mosgill is an exceptionally good horse and better than 105, which is his rating. Um, and I think he probably should be favourite. That's probably what I would say. So if I was going to have a bet, which I probably will if he is six to one, um, I think he'd definitely be the one for me. He's a rapidly improving horse. They've campaigned him a bit strangely, taking him to weird places like Catterick. Um, the people of Catrick will be very happy to you say that, but I know, but they sort of be <laughs> such a talented horse, and then they kind of run him in some weird races. Um, but you know, I, again, it's a, a bit like we were talking about with this sprint early. I think you, you know, these unexposed horses getting a three year old going for you know, they can really improve, and he kind of ran a bit like that last year. Um, we had a horse called Profitable who was, he almost had a bit of a similar profile. You know, he, he won a group one, you know, he won the uh, the King stand at Ascot, but he got beat in two handicaps as a two-year-old. And he kind of, I think these sprinters sometimes can get lost a bit along the way. And they can throw in bad races and get beaten. Um, and I thought he was better than ever uh, running on the last day of racing before the coronavirus when he won by three and a half lengths of Wolverhampton. It was a three-runner race, but it was one of the fastest races ever run at Wolverhampton. Um, he didn't need to be at his best either, and I, I think he is a horse that is going to have a very good year, and he is better than 105. Is it a positive for you as well that, that he had a run in March? I don't think so. Okay. I just... 84 days is a long time yeah um and most of these sprinters will get themselves fit anyway yeah um it can be a maybe a bit more rustiness than anything else but i, I probably wouldn't look into that too much okay andy yeah we've dropped on the same horse here by hook or by crook um <laughs> many respects i i'm i'm quite surprised that mike would have gone for a horse like this northern train horse that uh, might have just slipped <laughs> under the radar but he's uh He's obviously been he's obviously been looking at the speed figures uh, chart that this horse has been um, clocking when he's been in good form. He's a rapidly improving three-year-old last season. I agree, Catrick wouldn't have been his bag, um, particularly on soft ground. But he's a beautiful mover, and when he's had genuine quick ground, I think like he one day did at York, he absolutely blitzed the field. He's got a great turn of foot, a lovely cruising speed, and I think he's he's one of those horses that should almost never have been a handicapper. He's always looked as though he's going to be better in a better field against quality horses and. Um, this weekend he'll get a chance to prove that and he arrives here almost one of the fittest horses in the field if you want to um, look down that route I mean he's at 84 days ago so it only feels like round the corner doesn't it some of these have been off for the thick end of you know two, 250 odd days so um, you know he, he's probably ta he'll take less to get fit than some of the others um, he's got a fair draw I'm not saying it's going to be a great draw because we don't know how the draw pan out but he, I'd rather be high than low at this stage if I was, if I was guessing how it'll pan out uh, drawn is still 10 of the 13 so I think he'll he'll run well and I'll be very interested to see how James Tate's horse gets on far above he was a, a big improver last season he, he got beat on his second start after impressing on his debut uh, he beat one of George Scott's called Crantock Bay next time out very easily at Donny uh, and then they um, they went on the continent uh, with him on his last start he just about got home and I think they probably thought oh we've we've got a good sprinter here but we might have even had a five furlong horse having campaigned him over seven and six uh, he's starting him off over five. He's won at the track. He has got a hell of a lot of talent. He's got a really good cruise. He's been he's built like a sprinter as well. He's very much like in the mould of um, his other good horse, um, Invisible Army, is it? In in Invincible Army. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing with a horse like this. So, I, If I had to have two against the field, that'd be it. But Moskill's the most interesting one. So Moskill's certainly the tip here. Six to one at the moment. That is with William Hill. Um, if that's still around on Saturday, I'm not sure. But six to one as it stands. On to Sunday now. And we will, of course, start with the 1,000 guineas where <clears throat> Quadrilateral heads up the market at three to one. Uh, Oak's favourite, Love, is five to one and second favourite here. Uh, Mill Isle is six to one. Peaceful, 10 to one. Raffle Prize, 12s. Cloak of Spirits, 12s. Boomer, 16s. 20 to one bar. Andy, coming to you first, um, quadrilateral, a worthy favourite? Yeah, what she did last year, just about, I think, you know, anyone who wins a group one in the, in the manner she did, and she'd be a good field as well. Obviously, we know I've got powerful breeze, which is a shame. 
uh, we have got Love in there as well. So the representation is quite strong from that Group 1. The figure was good. They went a good gallop and she stayed outstayed them in the end. But that was on softest ground and good to firm ground. You know, will she get outpaced again and, and not get back and be able to retaliate on quicker ground? That would be my only slight concern. And, you know, you've got to go back to nine, was it 1990 when Roger Charlton had his last classic winner with Quest for Fame. So there's one or two little niggles at the short price that put me off. Um, I'll be very confident that Millar gets the trip. Um, you know, the way she won the Cheveley Park. And if you, if you watch that video about you, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to suggest she wouldn't, the way she finished off a race. And, uh, you know, the fact that Jessica Harrington had probably four or five of the best fillies in Ireland last season, Albinia being one of them, and she's the key main representat- representative in, in uh, Newmarket, suggests that she's always had this race in mind and she'll be trained to the minute now and how Jessica operates. Um, she'd probably be a number one choice, Millar, good, good course form. And I'd certainly be respectful of love as well, as I mentioned, obviously, dispatches with quadrilateral, their, their form ties together. Um, I don't think she was probably in love with the, the softest ground as what quadrilateral was. And being a, a filly by Galileo that's got a lovely flowing action, I think the better ground will suit her. And Aidan O'Brien, as we know with these classics, he, he never wants to underestimate five five uh, fillies have won this race for him recently. Hermosa, uh, Winter, you know, that, that, that kind of horse in recent times. So, You'd be very reluctant um, or be churlish to knock it, knock um, a Brown out your calculation. So I'd probably be the two Irish Raiders here, Mill Island and Love. So Love five to one, Mill Island six to one. Mike, any any thoughts for you on the thousand guineas? Uh, Phillies race is just not not the one for me at this time of year. So <laughs> certainly won't be a betting race, but I think Quadrilateral was definitely the. I, I think she's definitely the horse to beat. She really looked like a three-year-old last year. Um, I know she's done incredibly well over the winter. Um, she went to Kempton the other day, and she should go very well, I think. But it's all in the price. It's, I think Aidan O'Brien, that you know, the key line there was he can get these horses to improve so much. And I, I personally think Peaceful might almost be the danger of the O'Brien, the O'Brien lot. They liked her so much. Um, when she was a two-year-old and I just think she's she maybe got beat a bit out of green this last time I think she could improve a lot this year um but it would be a no-bet race for me any horses for you to kind of double-figure prices who could have improved or you, you've heard may have improved over the winter Not I think Clo- I, I think Cloak of Spirits um she's um been quite well well touted in the last uh, fortnight or so and I noticed her price has contracted from sort of 16 20 to 1 into around about 8 10 to 1 now and her run in the Tattersall's um, stakes was a, was an eye-catching run, very much with a view uh, for, for next year. And that, funny enough, I, I think the winner of that race, sorry, the Rockefeller, beg your pardon, uh, Dyer, she would have been my bet for the race. But unfortunately, she, she's she's out through through a, a, a bit of an injury scare in the last uh, week or two. But I thought Cloak of Spirits ran a really eye-catching race that day. And that was only a third run in her life. It was a first run in a group two. But she's got a lot of size and power and physique about her and, Richard Hannon, reading all the reports, really likes the way she's going. I think that's one of his fillies to follow for the season. So I think she could uh, outrun her odds. Cloak of spirits there. A bit of 14 to 1 still around if you're quick with Labricks and Coral. But as Andy says, mainly kind of 8 to 1, 10 to yeah. 1 across the board. Uh, there is your 1,000 guineas preview. Just a few more to rattle through on Sunday before we draw this to a close. We'll do the Buckhounds first uh, where we have uh, communique at four to one first in line nine to two true shan nine to two secret advisor eight to one twelve to one bar we'll open it up to you guys to give me your thoughts mike do you want me to go first no it's all right. i'll go first it's a, it's a, um i think it's a it's a trappy race this I, I don't think there's a lot to get carried away with I think Falak is probably a horse to keep an eye on this year. Um, him what's a, a trappy race without the decks at this stage, but he he, he was a rapid improver last year, and, and and he just might not have been quite as comfortable on that soft ground last time when chasing home Mirando. Um, I think he, he's only had eight starts, and he could just be a nice horse to follow this year rather than putting him up as a bat. Yeah, as Mike says, I should mention we are recording this on Wednesday, so the races might cut up a little bit if you're listening to this on Thursday afternoon or later. Um, Andy, anything for you there? Yeah, 
the two horses um, I put up um, in that 20 to follow list, uh, two of them run against each other here, um, which is a bit of a shame. But I, I was a big fan of, of Trushan last season. Um, when he won that new market handicap, he beat first in line. That was about as good as you're going to get with regards to three or handic- staying handicappers. It was a who's who of all the improving types that went into it. They went a, a, a mother and father of a guy. The figure was off the scale. And he went to Newbury next time. And he, he came up against Hamish, who'd similarly been impressive in the Melrose. I thought, well, he'll do well to beat Hamish because he looked as though he was a, a group horse in waiting. And even though he got outpaced that down the heavy ground, he came back and beat Hamish. So he showed his versatility of having been good ground and then heavy ground. I think Alan King's going to have a really good horse on his hands here. I think the E-ball's been mooted as a, as a race later on in the season. Obviously, you know, we're talking a million quid. Uh, it was up for grabs last year. I'm not sure where that pot's going to be um, uh, dangled as a, as a carrot this year. It might be substantially sh- uh, smaller, but it'll soon be a fair pot. Um, and this is a really good starting point for him. You know, going back to the same course that, it, that saw him put up his best performance on the on the clock. Um, and, and obviously, first in line who chased him home was a good winner at Chelmsford and the Gosden horses in good in form. But they haven't been missed in the market, I noticed. You know, if you... It's a fairly big, sizable field at the moment, but one he wants four to one, and the other one's nine to two. So you're not getting much bang for your buck there. But um, either one of those two, yeah, I think probably they'll be good enough to win. You will be getting bang for your buck when the when the race cuts up, Andy, and they're nine to four the pair. Yeah, uh, yeah probably. <coughs> but at this stage, you think, well, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather back him at sort of three to one and know the field and and see yeah, how, how, the, how that land lies rather than take take four to one. I have a feeling that might be a bit of a theme here, but we'll go on to the pretty Polly anyway. Andy, starting with you, Domino Darling, five to two favourite. Run Wild is five to one second favourite. Short to three to, as three to one in some places. Labricks and Cole are really sticking their neck out there. Um, Alpen Rose, 11 to two. Uh, Queen Daenerys, six to one. 13 to two for Tiempo Vuela and Snow Shower, eight to one in Echoes. Again, this is likely going to cut up a fair bit. Um, Presuming they all run, Andy, what are you liking here? Yeah, I'm a massive fan of this domino, darling. Uh, I'm hoping for William Haggis's horses to break the shackles free in the next few days. He had two runners the other day at Kempton. They ran all right. Um, both one of them got beat at a short price, albeit he didn't uh, run that badly. But this is my Oaks Philly for the season. Um, I think the front two that day at uh, Doncaster, domino, darling, the second horse at Chasing Man, goal, wonder, above average. The, the figure for a soft ground or heavy ground uh, maiden, they shouldn't have been running to the, the numbers that they did under the conditions, but it was by the far, the far, far and away, the fastest furlong for furlong time on that card back in October. Uh, they were Paul Wellcliffe, a horse called Wonderful Thought, I think has won subsequently uh, when he went, when she went abroad next time out. I think she ran at St. Clou. Um, so I'm pretty sure that that race is going to stack up. And again, a lot of, because when you do like a, a 15, 20 to follow list, you expect them to probably not run for the first some of them won't run to until mm. a month, but they're literally like running at coming at you like a like a Gatling gun, <laughs> uh, one after the other. So, um, tend to follow list could be in shreds, uh, or the or the skeleton of them could be in shreds after this weekend, and you might have to re juggle the balls a bit. But I'll be disappointed this Domino Darling doesn't make into a Group One filly, and uh, this looks looks a good starting point for her. So yeah, she she'd be one of my strongest views of the week. I reckon that, that tend to follow this to be framed behind you, Andy, in a week's time. So don't worry about it. Uh, Mike, what are you what are you looking at here? Uh, I, th- I think I completely agree. Albeit, I don't think I'd want to back her on Sunday. Um, I think, it, I, yeah, I'd want to see these Haggis fillies run a little bit better. Um, Eleven just, to one we, for the Oaks, just to say as well. Yeah, I mean. I'd, I'd, to be honest, I'd, eleven to one's lovely, but I'd probably rather lump on her at seven to two when she wins by five lengths if that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a long way till the Oaks, and a lot can happen. You know, especially if she's a soft ground winner. I mean, they might decide that they want faster ground or something like that. <clears throat> you know, it's a long way to get to the Oaks, and um. I'd probably watch, you know, I think it, it's wise to watch a lot of these races at the start of the year for the classics rather than try and get tempted into backing them so far in advance. Um, I think she's, uh, I think she probably was my highest rated two-year-old of all of last year, I think. I think she's, yeah, I, th- I think Golden Horn's going to be a, an exceptional stallion. I think it was, if I had one bit of advice, it'd probably be to follow horses that Golden Horn has bred throughout this year. Um I think they're really going to improve. And the fact she was able to win as a two-year-old on her only start, just like he did, um, is quite telling. Um, 
she 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 looks about the right price you know she's five to two in, in a place but she's she kind of maybe justifies that if maybe she was a little bit I mean if they were running straight after the two-year-old runs I'd probably back I'd definitely be backing her five to two but we haven't seen her for 226 days um and experience has taught me that backing fillies after a layoff is not the way to make money <laughs> So it won't be a betting race for me. And I'd, yeah, I personally would rather see her win easily and then take a much shorter prize for the Oaks and have a much bigger bet on than put my ticket in the bin on Sunday afternoon. Possibly the best tip you're going to get all day there from Mike. Um, it wasn't even a horse, but we'll move on now to the <laughs> Brigadier, Gerard. Uh, El Arkham is the 7-2 favourite as it stands. King of Comedy is 5-1. to one. Lord North also 5-1, to one, mentioned by Andy earlier. So we'll get your thoughts there. Uh, Telecaster 8-1 to one, alongside Terabellum, who obviously we've already spoken about, so unlikely to be running here. Uh, Bangkok also 8-1, to 14-1 to one bar. And the final race we're going to discuss here, give us a winner. You've got me there. I'm, I'm just looking for the Brigadier, Gerald, and it's not coming up on my um, on, the, on the racing post side. Oh, uh, Haydock. Um, should be using oh, Haydock, that's why. Yeah, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Go on, Mike, you can, you can crack on then. <laughs> uh, I think it's a tricky race, this. Uh, again, it, I think it's a... Uh probably more of a waiting race this um, i mean if you're having a, a spin for the prince of wales this is an ideal race you know haydock 10 furlongs not have the hardest race and go to ascot there's a lot a lot of horses that tick that box for me phalax in here who obviously just mentioned before i think he's probably more likely to run over a mile and a half because Larkan runs here um it's very hard to know which horses are going to be tuned up for this Telecast is definitely an interesting horse. I think he gets himself fit. He's actually a half-brother to Al Sahel, who we were talking about earlier. Um, he lost his way a bit, but obviously Telecaster went off a short price for the derby um, when he ran no race and hasn't really gone on. But if he was tuned up and ready to go, I, you know, we're talking, we're, we're guessing a little bit here, but I think he's a very nice horse, Telecaster. Um, and if he was... I think he'd probably be the one, but it's a big question mark as well. Eight to one Telecaster with Hills, Bet Victor, and Unibet. Andy, I'm hoping you've navigated your way back towards Checker and we can come to you for your Brigadier Gerard thoughts. Yeah, it just uh, threw me a little bit there. Yeah, I'd, I'd look up. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Lord North, as, as I am of John Gosden, in, 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 as everybody is. And he's got King of Comedy, Lord North in here. I think, you know, whichever one of those two he runs would probably be for me. But Lord North, I love the way he improved last season. He looked a group horse. He was very unlucky, funny enough, at Sandown um, when he ran it in that uh, group race. I think it might have been the race at King of Comedy, Randy, but he ran into a wall of horses that day. And he was a horse that I put down in my tracker. And then for some miraculous reason, I, I missed him in, when, he, when, he ran, um, when he won the Cambridgeshire. Um, I just, I don't know, I was down my head right that day, whatever. And I just, he, I just, I just looked elsewhere and tried to, try to be cute. But um, it wasn't surprising that he, he worked his way through the ranks and he ended up being the horse he was. And, He's always looked again like another horse of John's that will improve when he's a four and five yard. He's just got big stature about him. He looks a class horse. Um, whether Haydock will end up being his track, I don't know. But both of those two horses, King of Comedy and Lord North, have got a huge amount of talent. So King Comedy, five to one. Lord North, also five to one. That brings our guineas and weekend racing preview to a close. Before I let you both go, I'm afraid I'm going to ask you for your nap of the weekend. So if you had to recommend that somebody had just the one bet from the races we've been talking about, what would you give them, Andy? Well, my I'm a big fan of Andrew Ball. Andrew Ball has just had another winner, by the way, at Kempton. He's now three for three. So that leads me re, leads me on nicely to a horse, not Kamiko, because I've obviously already mentioned him, but there's a lovely horse that Andrew Ball in trains called Punctuation. It runs in the listed race, the Newmarket Stakes, three o'clock on Saturday. We haven't discussed that race yet. Mm. Um, so I'm going to give you one a little bit from, from left field. But I was massively taken by the way he won at Kempton. He's got a powerful stride on him. He really does eat the ground. Now, he's up against a horse that John Gosden's called um, Walt Koenig, who's also been taught in dispatches for the, for the Derby, having been impressive at Wolverhampton. But both of these two horses have similar profiles in the sense they come here off all weather wins. And they're won by a long margin. It's which one of the two is going to be the better. But I really am a fan of this punctuation. Um, and I think this is running in with a preparation or a view to be running at Royal Ascot. The fact that obviously it's the Queen's horse getting an, another run under its belt under the turf before the Royal Meeting in a couple of weeks' time. So, um, you know, and with the Balding horses in fantastic nick. 
look no further than punctuation. That's my best um, best advice of the weekend. There you have it. Punctuation for Andy. A full Mike. stop, not a punctuation. <laughs> Exclamation mark, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Mike, what have you got? Um, God, tricky. Um, English King. English King for the Derby trial at four to one. Yeah. There you have it. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to Andy and Mike, as ever, for joining me and for giving us their wisdom ahead of this weekend's races. As I mentioned, uh, make sure that you check the Odds Checker app every morning, not only during the weekend, every morning for Andy's expert tips. Uh, go and download the app now. It is free to download and collate all of our best bookie offers, our best tips. You can get the best prices, loads of free bets as well. So, if you want to win a few quid, if you fancy yourself as a shrewdy, make sure you download the Odds Checker app. And we'll be back fairly soon, Andy, I think, and maybe as well, Mike, to talk about Royal Ascot. So we look forward <laughs> to that. Can't believe it's just around the corner, but hope you enjoy your racing. I hope we've given you a couple of things to think about and maybe even a couple of winners. 